Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. to introduce Dr. Weinstock from St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Weinstock. Oh, my pleasure. Could you tell us when you first heard about LDM? That was in 2005. Uh, There's a compounding pharmacy uh, up the street, um, and they came over and talked with me about um, the fact that they uh, have been compounding uh, LDM for some time and thought that I might have need for it. Um, and, um, yeah, I talked to him a little bit about it, and, and, and my conception at that time, not delving deep into it, having the time at that point, um, that year in particular, was that maybe this was just a motility drug. Maybe there was an imbalance in some of my patients with opioid receptors, too much uh, endorphins, not enough, altering... Um, motor function, uh, the gastrointestinal tract, and I thought, well, this might be uh, helpful for some patients who need um, therapy for constipation, um, uh, and subsequently, of course, we have methylmaltrexone or Relistor, which, of course, reverses opioid-induced constipation, so clearly there is some context there in retrospect. But um, I did find one paper that looked at the migrating motor complex in animals that low-dose naltrexone improved migrating motor complex, which was really an important uh, facet of my treatment of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So in SIBO, or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, uh, which actually may underlie many different diseases and syndromes out there, um, including um, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, restless leg syndrome, rosacea, etc., um, that we need not only to treat bac- the overgrowth of the bacteria in the small intestine, but the motility disorder, which predisposes to SIBO. Um, so if you have loss of migrating motor complex, you don't have a sweeper wave to clean out the small intestine keep it free of bacteria and debris. Um, and so I was looking for something other than what we had available, especially in those who failed the little um, available drugs for motility at that time. So only later did I really start to understand the anti-inflammatory properties of those zone. And, in fact, inflammation has, especially since the mid-2000s and later on, has really been one of the watchwords of major changes in medicine, as is microbiome. So the two big things that are going on, if you're on the cook, inflammation and the microbiome. Sometimes they cross over, many times they do. Uh, but there are a number of um, events that occur in our bodies that are not well understood. People 
you know, just start treating with prednisone and um, biologicals without wondering, well, where is this inflammation coming from and how can we change it? Interestingly, we had um, Dr. Jill Smith as a presenter at the conference we gave in Chicago last year, and she was saying that um, some of the people with um, gut issues found that LDN upset the gut, and they were then using sublingual LDN, so it actually bypassed the gut with the absorption, absorption. yeah, absorption yeah. of yeah. the um, which was uh, very good. Have you come across? sublingual LDN? Um, I've not, but that's an intriguing idea. I get some practical matters which I'm still working out with patients. Is it better to take in the morning? Is there less insomnia or jitteriness mm-hmm. if you take it in the morning? Uh, or should you try to take it at night? Um, uh, I have uh, my wife, actually, who was treated for restless leg syndrome associated with SIBO and then treated with LDN afterwards has done fantastically for five years now. She finds that if she takes the um, LDN a little too soon before she goes to bed, then she gets a lot of rumbling and gastrointestinal activity, which kind of made me think about the motility factor. But again, uh, uh, she never suffered from the bad dreams or insomnia. And I've emailed Jill Smith and we've emailed back and forth um, because I uh, wanted her viewpoints on my work in um, ulcerative colitis. And I published the first paper on ulcerative colitis in LDN. And she's, you know, reported in her uh, articles uh, 10% side effects of insomnia would be the main thing. I've, I've looked at side effects and published a, an article in a compounding journal International Journal of Compounding Medicine, um, and uh, there's quite a number of potential side effects that patients reported, and with a you know big spectrum, which I can uh, reiterate if you'd like. Mm-hmm. But uh, this issue of sublingual, um, yeah, I'm not sure uh, what's it going to change, what's it going to be, be different about it. But uh, I'll keep that in mind. Um, at this point, I'm just curious, uh, your friends and uh, own um, other patients that you know of, do you think that the tolerance is better in the morning or in the evening? It's amazing the number of people who do actually prefer to take LDN in the morning, not only to eliminate the sleep issues, but there are some doctors out there who prescribe LDN for ME who feel that it actually gives the patient a bigger boost during the day by taking it in the morning. Um, And I do know a few doctors actually with patients with ME who do double dosing as well, where they use the same dose night and morning and it's, you know, a split dose. Because LDN doesn't stay in the system that long, the body sees it as if you took three milligrams twice a day, it doesn't see it as six. It sees it as three twice a day, purely because it's not in the system at the same time. So there there are lots of different doctors out there that are doing their own research as they go along, as it were. All very interesting. But as I say, there are many people who do prefer to take it in the morning 
than at night, even those people that didn't have um, the vivid dreams. I mean, I didn't have vivid dreams or sleep disturbance. I was quite upset, actually, because I wanted all these side effects because I wanted to know that LDM was working for me, but I, I never noticed anything one way or the other. Interesting. So mm -hmm. it can work either way for patients, and I think that we just have to be flexible knowing that their individual tolerance is one way or another. I've uh, one, you know, when I um, emailed Dr. Zagan uh, saying, okay, what's the best dose in general? He said 4.5. That was the end of his email, uh, the entirety of his email. And uh, I'm sure he's extremely busy. But um, so for anti-inflammatory, I've been using 4.5, but there are a number of people where it's too strong and you have to yes. back up mm -hmm. and really work up the dose very gradually. Yeah. Now, when we first started uh, the LDN Research Trust and began talking to these, these doctors around the world, it would seem back then, in 2004, most people started on 3 milligram and the dropout rate was quite high. Nowadays, people start on 1.5 and titrate it up. And we have found that there are people who do extremely well on LDN on 2 milligrams, let's say, and once they start to go higher than that, they don't do as well. You know, it, it, it might affect their legs or stiffness and spasms. That's one of the things with um, MS. A lot of patients can't go higher um, because it increases the stiffness and the spasms. Yet, we were told before, you know, that you've got to get to 4.5 to, to have the ultimate dose. But there are some people that, you know, are never going to get to 4.5. You know, it really doesn't suit them. But the lower dose does. So we we know from experience over the years that you can take a lower dose and it be beneficial. It doesn't seem to be the higher the dose, the better the benefit, but what dose suits the patient best. There are a group of people with a condition called um, Haley-Haley's disease. I don't know whether that's a condition you've come across um, it's blisters of the skin and it breaks out in folds um, in your groin, under your breasts, you know, but it can, it can also all go on your back and things. And as I say, it blisters and then it gets infected and these people are in so much pain and LDN is working extremely well for these people. But uh, trying to get dermatologists to listen has been quite a task. I'm desperately looking for a dermatologist who would um, come and speak at our next conference. That would be quite uh, something. I, ha I have one for you. Really? Yes. Oh. yes. Well, we'll yeah. we'll talk about that later. That would be very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have somebody with an open mind, thank God, <laughs> uh, who's actually... Uh, trying to do some work with me for rosacea, for rosacea, and um, I spoke on um, SIBO and rosacea to the um, experts um, around the world uh, in Bordeaux this past December. So um, he invited me there. So you know it's exciting, and um, I've actually uh, I'm starting to use LDN for rosacea that's not associated with SIBO too. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, we'll see how things go in that area. Mm. I mean, LDM, we always have to say, you know, isn't a miracle drug. 
or a cure and it doesn't work for everyone but it was it's certainly something for patients to look into that have autoimmune diseases or indeed cancers and if they have an open-minded doctor yes to to work with is there anything else you would like to add before we finish let's talk about restless leg syndrome mm-hmm. uh, mentioned Durkheim syndrome um, that's one I haven't heard of what is that uh, it's a rare condition of um, lipomas that get inflamed and uh, have severe pain um, and um, it's unknown etiology and I have a patient with that and I, I, I do want to um, also end with an interesting story of an MS patient who has simultaneous MS and Crohn's. Uh, but uh, so restless leg syndrome, a potential um, reason why uh, LDN may work. One is the central pain phenomenon. Two is reducing inflammation. And my part, research partner and I, Dr. Arthur Walters and I, found that of the uh, 38 different um, causes for secondary restless leg syndrome, uh, 95% are associated with systemic inflammation, um, and quite a number are also associated with bacterial overgrowth when it's tested, and um, a lesser number with iron deficiency, which is really thought to be all the big key for it. But nonetheless, um, there is... Uh, there are less opioid cells in the brains of people who have um, restless leg syndrome. And this is an autopsy study that he did. And so my thought was, well, if we give LDN, maybe what we're doing is increasing the receptors and the endorphins in the brain on the existing lesser number of cells. Maybe that's why it's helping. So... It may reduce inflammation, perhaps on the level of the um, gut, you know, and gut lining uh, permeability issues may be a factor, um, but it may work in the brain um, by one or more mechanisms. And as I said, in on LDN science, those who have restless leg syndrome, you can read more about that. Um, I have a patient with Durkheim's uh, disease. It's a rare disease, uh, but it's Basically, uh, angiolipomas and lipomas that get inflamed and it's uh, painful modular fat and it can involve the joint or anywhere on the skin. And um, I've had uh, this one patient, um, it also was asso- is associated with cognitive dysfunction and um, joint disease and other vascular disease and obesity and um, LDN um, has helped this woman a lot Um, and also interestingly enough naltrexone is being used uh, in combination medications for those who have eating disorders or obesity in general. Um, So that's yet another one of the spectrums that we need to think about and then I have a fascinating guy who did colonoscopy on this gentleman because uh, he told me his father had colon cancer and um, he had screening at age 40 and he's been suffering from MS for 10 years and for the last five years has been on uh, experimental medications and third generation uh, 
MS medications, and he's uh, walked with a cane, and uh, you know was disabled, significantly disabled. Um, and so he did his colonoscopy, and I looked in the small intestine, and there, lo and behold, was asymptomatic Crohn's ileitis. So I talked to him about LDN, knowing the data for um, Crohn's disease well, and also a little bit about the data of the four studies for uh, MS, which I then delved into later when um, giving lectures on LDN. And so I treated him. A month later, he came in and said um, that his uh, MS was dramatically better. He used more with it. He uh, didn't use the cane for much of the day. And then a year after that, which was uh, two weeks ago, uh, he came in saying that he um, was off of his cane for eight hours a day and uh, still was taking the other medication, the third-generation MS medication, but was dramatically better. And one day he made a mistake and took it twice a day, and he actually got a boost, extra boost, uh, from the 4.5 BID. I said he could play around with the dose, uh, although it empirically makes more sense using once-a-day dosing. But, you know, there are individual variances, and as we discussed, I think you have to play with the dose um, in your own clinical practice. Um, so um, I do want to say, uh, wrap up and say that um, I've treated well over, uh, well over 500 patients with LDN. There's certainly side effects, and if you go to my website, www.gidoctor.net, I uh, have copies of my publications on LDN, both for um, uh, ulcerative colitis and treating general gastrointestinal disorders and the side effects thereof. Um, of course, in America, the FDA um, uh, strongly um, watches us and um, says that we should not promote off-label use of medications even if they're FDA approved. So uh, I'm saying that, in general, if a physician prescribes medication on his own that's off-label use, that is legitimate and legal. Uh, and to learn more, you know, it's worth researching this, LDNScience.org and your organization, and other sources are available to educate um, the physician. And many times, so many times, we learn from our patients and so I applaud um, your organization, which you started and uh, benefited from, um, both personally and obviously by helping so many other people. I greatly applaud you and um, think that um, doctors need to be open-minded and to be willing to hear from their patients and learn from them. And I will end with a quotation by Arthur Schopenhauer, a famous German philosopher. It says, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridicule. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, is it is accepted as self-evident. Very appropriate. So appropriate. Uh, yes. Well, thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. I'd like to introduce Dr. Richard Nahas, 
the founder of the Seekers Centre in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for joining me, Richard. Thanks for having me. Could you tell me when you first heard about LDN? Uh, when I began uh, thoughts about setting up an integrative medicine practice, I spent time with uh, experienced integrative medicine physicians in uh, a number of places uh, in North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, LDN came up twice. Uh, and both of the doctors who um, had been using it reported very good results. And that's one of the uh, forms of evidence that we sometimes rely on in integrative medicine is good experiences from our colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was about seven years ago, uh, and I've been using uh, LDN ever since. Mm -hmm. What conditions do your patients have that you treat with LDN? Uh, I see a wide range of problems because people tend to seek out integrative medicine when conventional approaches have failed. Mm -hmm. uh, so I see allergies, I see autoimmune disease, and I see cancer and chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. Those would be the categories that um, I would most often use LDN with. And what kind of results are you seeing? Um, in general, very positive. Um, in terms of patients who have had LDN alone, uh, we probably have 30 to 40 of those. Uh, most of our patients undergo a multifaceted treatment plan. So it's hard to tease out exactly what was attributable to a specific medicine. Uh, but I have had patients who've come asking for LDN by name and who have only used that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've had... Uh, fairly consistent improvements in sleep. Uh, some of the patients have had uh, prolonged sleep difficulty on the 4.5 milligram dose, and when we use the 3 milligram dose, the sleep troubles go away. Um, and then we can bring them up to 4.5 uh, a month later or so. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I haven't had any real side effects. Uh, and I would say two-thirds of patients report an improvement of some kind. Mm -hmm. And what have you noticed pain-wise with people? I mean, have you had um, patients come to you that are on opiates and have to be weaned off before they start LDN? That's a difficult category because it's a challenge to get people off of opioids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but about a year ago, we developed a protocol using uh, ear acupuncture to turn off the withdrawal symptoms. Uh, some of your viewers may have become aware of uh, laser ear treatments to treat smoking uh, addiction. Uh, and there's a protocol using points on the ear uh, that is used in patients with a wide range of addictions, but I think we're the first to use it to get people off of opioids. Uh, so now that we're able to do that, we can, we can use LDN in a broader 
range of patients. Mm -hmm. Well, I hadn't heard of that before. I mean, is it really successful? Does it take long? Uh, well, I've actually found that it is uh, more effective than I had hoped uh, because in some cases I've been able to get patients off of uh, benzodiazepines. Like these are the family of Valium and diazepam, lorazepam, clonazepam, etc., mm -hmm. which traditionally we're taught patients can't come off of without an, uh, an in-hospital detox program. Uh, and in some cases, patients have been able to come off those drugs in one treatment. Wow. Um, and the same with the narcotics. Uh, but in many cases, patients are scared to do it in one session, so we'll often spread it out over uh, three to four sessions uh, a week apart. Mm -hmm. Have you any other case studies you'd like to tell us about? Um, well, I, I think that the only thing that I could share that would be perhaps... Um, interesting or different from what you might hear from other clinicians mm -hmm. is that I found much more benefit uh, in a handful of patients with pulsing the dose. Um, so I, I take patients off it for a week every month. Right. And uh, that's basically based on keeping the body guessing so that the body doesn't become used to uh, specific level of endorphin production mm -hmm. and uh, I again I wish I had the kind of uh, infrastructure in my clinic that my hospital-based colleagues have so that I could gather uh, statistics and publish results uh, but I could say that six or seven patients uh, have found that in the first six months of using LDN, they got a certain degree of benefit. And then we went through a phase of three months where they would do three, month, three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off. Uh, and they found it uh, to offer additional benefit. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of your other uh, clinicians have reported using it in that way. Um, Dr. Bob Lawrence used to do uh, 10 days off, on and two days off, um, but he actually stopped doing that in 2005. But um, in, in, <laughs> in Canada, uh, if anybody wanted to come and see you for LDN, do you mm -hmm. take people from a certain area or can people just travel from anywhere and come and see you? Yeah, basically, I only need to see a patient once per year okay. to, uh, to feel within the scope of my uh, professional responsibility. Mm -hmm. If they're a patient that's stable, not on narcotics, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, who's got a, sort of a stable disease picture, uh, you know, a, pro a problem that's been around for more than just a few months, something that is established and they've done the reading and they know what to expect uh, that I'm comfortable just being uh, there as a gatekeeper to a treatment that I think more people would benefit from. 
Well, we could certainly use more doctors like you. And thank you very much for sparing the time to speak to me. I'd like to introduce Battles from the United States, who is a big advocate of LDN. Thank you for joining me, Paul. Thank you. Glad Could to join you. <laughs> Could you tell me when you first heard about LDN? Um, LDN, it was uh, April, I believe it was 2007, when I was researching Crohn's disease because uh, my son uh, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I read uh, Jill Smith's article in the Journal of Gastroenterology regarding her Crohn's study on LDN. Mm-hmm. And what I what we found was her response clinically was excellent. It was uh, about 89% of them had a clinical response and 69% went in uh, full remission at about eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Well, I read that article and then my son um, with his Crohn's was somewhat stable on his azathioprine, that's amuran, when he had a very uh, significant exacerbation later on that year in October 2007. It was bad enough he went to hypovolemic shock um, and ended up in the hospital. Uh, actually, we almost lost him. He was really, really a touchy situation. And they discharged him from the hospital with antibiotics and typical drugs, but he wasn't doing very well. So I went back to that original article I remember from Dr. Smith and discussed it with another physician, Dr. Grossman here, who's familiar with uh, low-dose naltrexone, and we decided to try it. Um, within two weeks, he was um, showing better color, doing well, and about three months later, his all his parameters were normal. He was, he was BMX biking again, enough that he then ruptured his spleen on his bike, but uh, he was doing very well. So because he did really well, that's gave me the mission to spread the word. So then I went on to uh, give a lecture at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, which had 4,000 physicians there from around the world. They all got tapes, and then they asked me to write a chapter in their therapeutics manual that then got distributed throughout the world in 100 different countries. Um, It's just my mission to spread the word. I, I gave a lecture last April of 2011 uh, in Florida to a similar type of conference. And I've been giving lectures here locally in the Denver metro area. Uh, matter of fact, uh, today in my clinic, I have a multiple sclerosis patient coming in uh, for for LDN. Mm-hmm. So that's what gave me the impetus to really research and utilize LDN. I've also uh, applied it to what's called uh, complex regional pain syndrome, which is uh, old, old terminology is RSD. I had a patient who, who had it. We put a spinal cord stimulator in her, and she just wasn't doing well. She was a 23-year-old, uh, wanted to be a college student, but she couldn't do it anymore. So she didn't want to go on narcotics. And I said, well, let's try the low-dose naltrexone because it does modify all the cytokines that are known to be excreted in complex regional pain syndrome. Mm-hmm. I discussed with her about that and with her mother, and they agreed, and she went on it, and her her mood was better. She never had to go on narcotics, and she took it for about 
a year and a half finished her college and now is looking for a job and she said she really uh, doesn't need any more. It seems like what we did is re-regulated her immune system back to normal and and to this day, I think two and a half years now later, she has not had to go back on narcotics. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to find uh, multiple different applications that have to do with uh, cytokine dysregulation uh, of the autoimmune diseases especially MS, Crohn's, rheumatoid arthritis, because uh, Dr. Gironi in Milano, Italy, uh, found that the endorphin levels are very low in, in those three autoimmune diseases, which we know naltrexone can elevate them or at least modify them by blocking the endorphin receptors. Mm-hmm. And so we find it's been very good. I had another patient with MS who had severe thoracic neuritis from it, and he, he did much better with it, too, for about a year. And then he had to have some other interventional medicine because his pain was spreading throughout his body and just wasn't uh, up to par, and he had to go on narcotics. Therefore, I had to take him up the naltrexone. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of how I use it. That's what stimulated me to, to, to u- utilize that. I've been doing consults around the country for people with Crohn's and other autoimmune diseases with uh, naltrexone and hope to uh, really make it available someday if the FDA approved it. Um, I I had a lunch with Dr. Jill Smith, finally met her last year, so we've been going back and forth about, um, you know, funding and research um, regarding uh, LDN, and that's one of my goals is to try and get funding for more research for it, just as, as you are. Yes. How old was your son when he started LDN? Um, he was about 14, and he's, uh, you know, almost uh, 19 now. Mm-hmm. So it's been four and a half years or so. And, he, and he's, he's tolerating it very well. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. What would you say to people who are contemplating trying LDM but maybe a little bit scared? Uh, could you repeat the question, please? Yes. What would you say to people who are contemplating trying LDM but may be a little afraid? Um, For their fear, what I would relate to them is a safe drug history over the last 35 years that it's been around for a very long time, and most people are using, you know, 15 times the dose that we use uh, for uh, drug addiction, alcohol um, addiction. Um, so I would just go to the safety record of it. I would go to the minimal side effects where there may be some people have little sleep disturbances. And the other is the cost. Um, we can get it here for, you know, 15 to $20 per month as opposed to many of the prescription drugs. For example, with the Remicade, it's, you know, $5,000 per IV for, for Crohn's disease and rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I don't understand, you know, where the standard medical doctors don't want to even be interested in it with the safety profile and the economics of it. Uh, it really is kind of a no-brainer of what, why not try it. So so that's what I, those are the two things I usually tell patients is the safety and the economics. It's, it's really a very low financial and, and medical risk. Thank you very much, Paul. I really appreciate it. I'd like to introduce Seth Merriott from Portland in Oregon. Um, Seth is a nurse practitioner who prescribes LDN. Thank you for joining me, Seth. Hi. Now, you were telling me that you have taken LDN for psoriasis. Could you tell us 
uh, about that, please? Yeah, um, I uh, have had psoriasis for um, about 10 years now, and uh, I, uh, about a year and a half ago or two years ago, started learning about low-dose naltrexone, and um, after I had um, kind of looked and looked and actually gotten on your website and had um, uh, looked through some patient forums and uh, and listened to all the content that you had posted, I uh, decided that maybe that would be an interesting thing to, to try for myself. And, um, and yeah, so I've been uh, taking that for um, about a year at this point and, and kind of been describing it for about a year and a half or so. So how was your psoriasis when you started and what's it like today? Um, it uh, was was a little bit uh, you know worse than it is now, which is nice because I don't generally um, have to use um, any other kind of meds uh, for it. So I don't I don't have to use any kind of uh, steroid creams or or anything else, which I was using a little bit more frequently. So. Um, so that's been nice, is just to kind of have less uh, frequent use of other medications to control it. Mm-hmm. And when you first started, what dose did you start on? Um, well, I was using a, a cream called oh, oh, the the low dose naltrexone. Yeah, yeah, I um, I did I did ramp up from uh, one and a half milligrams, and then I've uh, just uh, kind of did about five days of one and a half, and the three milligrams for about five days, and then. Then I just stayed at uh, four and a half about uh, five days later. So. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any side effects when you started? Uh, just a vivid dream. Um, I remember that I started it towards the evening, um, had a few um, come in vivid dreams, so I backed off and started taking it during the day. Um, but then, I, you know, my body's been pretty used to it at this point, and I do take it at night and now and not really have any, any problems with it. But um, but it wasn't something that was super disturbing, and and um, I haven't and actually I haven't really had any other side effects. I've had some other side benefits though, where um, used to suffer from uh, chin splints quite often that would keep me from playing um, sports like I like to do, and and that's actually gone away. And I it's hard to know if to contribute to LBN or not, but it, it did go away right around the time that I did start it. So that's another. Uh, hesitation for me to stop it because I have been able to tolerate uh, playing so much more uh, that it's been um, it's been really nice. So that's been kind of the side benefit that I've been uh, experiencing. Mm-hmm. And could you tell us what conditions you described LDN for? Yeah, um, it's uh, there's quite a lot of uh, kind of across the board conditions that I've used it for with patients, um, just from something really um, very generic, just like uh, people that I they have a lot of inflammatory symptoms, like they have joint pain, um, you know, all over the body. They have um, you know certain abdominal pain and stuff. I'll I'll use uh, LDN for that. Um, I have quite a lot of uh, patients on fibromyalgia that take LDN and was able to uh, get about, I would say, about three-fourths of my chronic pain patients that were taking opioids off their opioids and now um, just do low-dose naltrexone. Um, So some patients were taking methadone, some patients were taking 
up to 100 milligrams of MS cotton three times a day, which is a very high dose. And um, and after we we kind of uh, went down fairly slowly and, and had them without opioids for about a week, um, we introduced low-dose naltrexone, and their pain's been better than it was ever on all the opioid medications that they were on. So that's been very helpful. Um, I have used it for fertility purposes in some patients, um, and have had pretty good success with that. Um, I've had people with, I have one person with, with Parkinson's on it. I have a, a couple people with MS on it, uh, some uh, polymyalgia rheumatica or PMR. Um, I have, uh, I've been using it more for uh, diabetes, actually, type 2, and um and am noticing a good percent or so uh, drop in A1Cs and it's been kind of helpful and instrumental with me getting patients off their insulin if they're type 2 and on insulin um, to re- reduce their insulin so they're able to lose weight, actually, because uh, insulin is a very a big weight-gaining medication. So I actually do a lot with, with dietary and, and weight management um uh, stuff with patients, which is which is kind of my sub-specialty, and um, that's how I actually learned about naltrexone to begin with, is that there was a new medication coming out um, called Contrave that I wanted to learn more about, because I knew they had a naltrexone and Welbutrin in it, Welbutrin's an antidepressant, and um, the naltrexone part, I um, just started learning about well what what's that doing there and, and what would how would that help someone lose weight and then uh, realized that it's a it blocks cravings in people and in higher dosages than low dose naltrexone but um, but then I started learning more about it and I um, ended up finding out you know these low dosages which help with fibromyalgia and um, kind of did some research and, and actually found your website and to where I uh, I learned a lot through watching all those uh, the uh, provider interviews that you've done with the medical providers, and um, it's been it's been great ever since. So thank you for your website, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so from your patients, if you had to say, because these are questions that I'm asked all the time, if you had to say a point where you thought the patient would notice some benefits of LDN, as in how long would you say it would take before a patient on average would find that LDM was working? Yeah, it it depends on the underlying cause, I would say. So the patients that have kind of pain and inflammation um, related to pain, I think are going to notice benefits um, more right away after they start that 3 milligram dose. So usually we start at 1.5 milligrams, ramp them up to 3, and then 4.5. And, um, and generally people don't feel anything at one and a half milligrams. Um, but the patients that have, um, maybe kind of hormone imbalance, maybe due to inflammation or, or the diabetes or the, uh, or, uh, you know, infertility issues, well, they might kind of take a, a couple weeks to end up seeing that low blood sugars are going lower or, um, or, you know, of course with, Infertility, you got to kind of wait till they cycle to notice if there's anything that's been changing. Um, it has been helpful with menstrual headaches, by the way. That's been um, something that, that's been nice. Um, 
And, and yeah, so it, it kind of depends on the underlying process, but it doesn't take months usually to notice any difference. Um, and the only, uh, only people that I, I am cautious about it with, not that I wouldn't prescribe it for, just that, um, that I've, I've had people, uh, people that have some kind of side effect from it generally are the people that have or are already on thyroid medication because generally, um, what I've noticed and I think that it's been a kind of consensus of other medical providers is that you can help their thyroid function so much, uh, possibly with LDN, that you need to reduce their thyroid dose or else they might feel like they're now a little, um, maybe a little hyperthyroid or there seems mm-hmm. to be some kind of little interaction where people feel a little off, a little headache, stomach pain, and a little irritability. And um, and that's just a good sign for me to take down a thyroid medication, actually, and, and generally those symptoms do improve. So, Yes, that's um, what I've been told as well. So that that's really interesting. And I think if people are taking a, <clears throat> a vast cocktail of drugs to be able to actually come off a lot of your drugs or lower um, certain drugs, it's got to be better for your your body, isn't it, rather than, you know, filling it full of um, medications. Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So I just wanted to ask, have any of your patients reported back to you any unusual side effects? I had um, a, a couple, like, limited cases that, um, like two, that came to mind. Um, one, we don't really know if it was this or not, um, but um, but it seemed like with people that may have um, a little underlying, like, sluggish liver um, problems, that maybe their liver's not clearing the naltrexone very well, um, my theory is that it, it must uh, stack up and... and and circulate at higher dosages if you're not clearing it, and therefore you're going to get side effects of the higher dosages of naltrexone. And, and the two things that um, happen in both cases that I'm referring to, um, uh, people got depressed, and and that seems to be the um, the side effect of the, the higher 50 milligram to uh, 150 milligram dosages that they'll use for um, opiate and um, and alcohol kind of uh, problems, but. But the two pa- one patient had porphyria, and uh, which porphyria is uh, really the inability to process most anything through the liver. It seems to be um, problematic. And this patient actually had a, was using naltrexone as a cream. So um, so the the loss of um, pleasurable experiences and, and depression kind of happened with her. We had to take her off of it, and it did get better. So. Um, was really really weird. That's that's a rarity, um, but that was an interesting kind of case that did happen. Another person that had um, interstitial cystitis, a male, um, uh, he uh, he felt like there might have been some depression, and we chose to take him off that. But he was also a very like very stressful job, so it's kind of hard to really tease that out. Oh, what a an amazing story! Thank you very much for sharing it with us. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.